Hey everyone and welcome back. I am your host, Francesca Amante, the founder of Amante Podcast, Amante Real Estate, and Amante Apparel. So excited to have you back on here with another special guest. Stay tuned. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Amante Podcast. I'm your host, Francesca Amante. I feel very, very honored to have a wonderful guest with us here today. We just finished off our very, very first Amante Talk Speaking Series event and we felt so very grateful for everyone who was in in attendance on October the 22nd with us at the uh, Kelowna Innovation Center. And I have with us here today um, our one of our wonderful guest speakers who was at the talk, uh, Benita Summers. And we're just so excited to get to share um, a little bit of time with her for us, her to share a little bit about herself, what she talked about at the event and um, yeah, her thoughts on the first event and perhaps a little bit of a sneak peek as to what's to come. So without further ado, very excited and honored to sh- uh, present to you our host, uh, our host, <laughs> sorry, our guest, Benita K. Summers. <laughs> Quite the Thank intro, but yeah. it's always a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Good. I'm glad we can make some listeners laugh in the meantime. It's <laughs> awesome. Benita, tell us a bit about yourself so we can get to know you a bit more with like who you are and yeah, a bit of your backstory. Sure. Sure. So I often get asked, how did I get into the business of being a psychic life and business coach? And I say, I was born into a psychic family. My mother was psychic. Her mother was psychic. It kind of ran down the line of the family. So when I was a child, I could, you know, see and hear things a lot of people normally can't. It's called being clairaudient, clairvoyant. And I would go, Mom, you know, I heard the voices again, or I saw this or that. And she'd be like, that's nice, dear. It was <laughs> our family norm. I didn't even know that was unusual till I went to school and talked about experiences and people let me know I was weird. So <laughs> I embrace that. <laughs> I love it. Um, and what I've loved over the years is I've been able to take that weirdness and help other people with it. So. Amazing. <laughs> We're grateful for the weirdness. We're all weird. <laughs> <laughs> we are, right? Yeah. And actually, actually, the word weird means mysterious. And I think we all have some mystery about us and that's what makes human beings interesting. Um, So I I grew up with two brothers. Um, My father um, was a very enterprising person who held down several jobs when we were young. And my mother was always an entrepreneur. She tried her hand at a number of different businesses. Some didn't succeed, some did. But what I learned from her was just go out and try stuff. You'll learn more by doing that than playing it safe and never learning anything. Mm. She was always a very creative person as I was growing up. So I had the creativity of both parents and their drive to really inspire me. So once I stepped into Um, entrepreneurship, which was always there. I've been a practicing psychic since I was 18. It's when I first started taking on clients. I was a sideline for a long time while I wore other hats. I've been um, an editor of a national business magazine. I've worked in software development. I've been a university administrator. All the way along, though, this sideline existed. And eventually, I got that internal nudge that no, this is what you're really here to do. So focus on it full time. Wow. It's so funny when you are so amazing, when you feel called to do something, it just, it really does just fall into place. Well, I do think that when we, I call, the way I always put it is when we say yes to ourselves, the universe says yes right back and it will Mm. put the people, the resources and the opportunities in front of us to fulfill that intent. But the flip side, the shadow side of that 
is if you don't, you're now headed down a more difficult path. It's like when I recognized I was supposed to leave Ontario in 2011 and come to BC, my last month in Ontario, my income doubled. And friends were going, why would you leave when you're making this kind of money? And I said, two things. The universe is testing my resolve. Am I really going to move as I know I'm supposed to? And the second thing is I'm being given a one month buffer of income. I don't have to make any money the first month I'm in BC. I can start to build a business without struggle. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how it transpired. If I hadn't left BC, I mean, left Ontario for BC, Mm -hmm. I would no longer be able to work as a psychic because how dare I teach other people to follow their intuition if I don't follow mine. Hmm. I love that. Leading by example, Benita. It's amazing. It's one thing I appreciate about you as a coach, for those of you in the audience that have not um, got had the pleasure of meeting Benita or working with Benita. What I do appreciate about her very much, among many things, is the fact that she does lead by example. It's really hard to respect someone or learn from someone that doesn't do the things that they teach. Um, so not only do you, you know, talk the talk, you walk the walk. So it makes it a lot easier for me to go, okay, she's giving me this advice. She's done it before. I know that there's, there's weight to it. And I think that's amazing. Well, thank you. I have my own mentor who's been, you know, had more than enough permission to kick my butt for the last 30 years too, (laughs) and help me see my blind spots. And I'm ever so grateful to him. I think we all need somebody who helps us see beyond our own vision. No, I think that's amazing, Benita. That that's that's huge. Because I'm sure, if I may ask, there must be a lot of times in session with, you know, your various clients that like there there must be some at, at certain points where someone will reflect something or or say something to you that like naturally it's it's easy for us to things will naturally affect us because I mean you're even though you have the wisdom that you do you still do work on yourself. Do you find that there's times where you know, something that is said in a session from even a client will go, oh, wow, that triggered this in me and I get to learn this now. Do you find that there's moments like that? It's it's actually part of my spiritual practice after I've worked with somebody to ask myself, what part of me externalized today so that, uh, you know, that I haven't done enough work with internally that I needed to do this work with this person? And in terms of what I offered them, how do I need to apply that to my own growth? I think it keeps me humble. Um, I think it helps me relate to the people I'm dealing with and improve myself so that whether I see them again or I see other clients, I continue to grow. So I definitely never want to be one of those people who say, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Like, yeah. here's my advice for you, but I'm not going to take it. I always try to keep in mind that I am learning just as much from my clients as I hope they're benefiting from me. They're inspiring to me because I think it takes a lot of courage to do this work of really looking at yourself, doing the shadow work, you know, being willing to dig deeper, to discover the things about yourself you don't know. That that can be really gritty, difficult work. So I have nothing but respect and admiration for the people who work with me. And therefore, I think it's incumbent upon me to bring my very best to them. So of course, I have to keep working on myself. It's my path. And it's also what's necessary. So one doesn't stagnate as a coach. Mm, I love that. I think that I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it was you I was saying this to not long ago, Benita, but uh, when we were in person after the event, but we were chatting about how one of the most dangerous things that you can do in life or say in life is, oh, I've learned everything I need to learn. 
I think that's probably one of the most dangerous places to be because we've never fully learned ourselves. There's, you know, always something more to learn and grow about, right? Even if it's just on a deeper level. Yeah, I, I think um, I know puts us in a very small box. Yes. Um, all we really know is what we've comprehended so far. And if we really want to get deep, um, our brain perceives things, but it perceives through the filter of our conditioned mind. So two people can look at the same situation and have completely different takes on it, depending on their patterns. So I think living in a state of deconstruction, where you're always willing to question what you know, helps you grow more deeply, but it can be unsettling. Because I think our mind, as I, as I said in my talk, our mind looks for comfort and conclusion. We want to say, I have arrived. Here I am. I know myself. Mm-hmm. And that's comforting at that moment, but it also limits us. Absolutely, it does. Oh, it's so interesting, Benita. And I love, love getting to hear your perspective on all of this because I think, um, I mean, I am very grateful for the fact that I nobody either quite well and have the pleasure of working with her but at the same time um yeah there's a lot of people that i share with them the things that i learned through our sessions and they're like oh my gosh you know it's it's actually oh that's I guess, lovely there yeah i think it, it's actually you know it brings a lot of appreciation and gratitude to my mind that for me this is just second nature i'm like oh yeah well of course i have that perspective now but i mean in all fairness i didn't have the, these perspectives um you know back three years ago right so there's there's so much that uh thanks to that work you know your your yeah your perspective your lens shifts forever well you've worked very hard to gain that perspective and for all of us it means moving through resistance because the ego will fight us all the way it will bring up fear it will uh bring up resistance to change and I find now I'm at a point where if there's resistance, it makes me curious. What's on the other side of that resistance or fear? And, you know, but when you're first starting this work, it's like learning to do something you've never done before. It feels awkward. It feels weird and uncomfortable. But if you're willing to move through that, you come out the other side where it becomes a beautiful dance. And you embrace those moments that are uncomfortable because you know there's treasure on the other side of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a little bit of work to get there, but <laughs> definitely treasure on the other side. Um, but yeah, just a quick shift. So kind of like dating back to, you know, just you growing up and all the area, all the, you know, the journey that's brought you here. Do you want to share a little bit with our listeners, like some of the hobbies that you love to do or just some of the passions that you've enjoyed over the years? Um, a little bit less on the business front, but just more on, yeah, the things that you enjoy. Um, love to hike. And one of the things I loved about moving to BC is you don't have to travel to find beauty and nature. It's all around us, which is glorious. Um, even when I was a kid, I would wander off into, I mean, I was growing up when nobody really worried about what their kids were doing. They just sent you out the door and said, don't come home till supper. Uh, and I would wander off into the woods for hours. Um, I loved to be in nature. I loved to discover trails nobody knew about. And it's one of the things I get a charge out of in BC is finding those unusual trails that maybe not everybody knows about and then introducing my friends to them. It's like, you've got to see this. Um, I love to dance. I've always loved to dance. I'm trained in Scottish country dance and East, uh, Middle Eastern dancing. 
That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we used to get out our little kilts and go dancing and, um, I've, I've always found it to be a beautiful form of expression. I, I think I was dancing before I could walk. Wow. Um, I've always loved music. I sung in choirs. I got to go with the Kelowna Community Chorus and sing in, on stage at Carnegie, Carnegie Hall, which I'll never forget. That was an amazing moment. Wow. Um, I've always loved public speaking. I did public speaking contests from the age of eight. So uh, it's made me very comfortable on a stage, and it becomes less about what am I going to say as much as am I connecting with the audience? Am I connecting with the people in the room? I love um, that. Yeah. So, I, you know, I've had various hobbies, like, you know, I loved embroidery growing up and stuff like that. Uh, love to read. So Amazing. for me, the main thing is as long as I keep learning and I'm also a performance poet, I love to write poetry. I've been doing that since I was a little kid as well. So learning, growing, expressing, it's what I love to do. I love that, Benita. That's Thank you for sharing a bit about you as a less on the business side and just on more on the personal side. It's so great to, I always, I think that people's hobbies just show so much about them. And I think that just hearing all of those right now, it totally makes sense with the, you know, all the other <laughs> aspects that I already know about you. So that's lovely on the, on the effective speaking or the public speaking side of it. Um, I'll tap into that a little bit. So for those of you that haven't had the chance to hear Benita speak, uh, she's an incredible speaker, um, like literally no notes, nothing. She just gets up on a stage, knows exactly what to say, and is so dynamic and um, very much uh, knows how to connect with her audience. Um, so on, in, kind of in connection to that, um, yeah, Benita, I'd love for you to share a bit about, because we had the honor of having Benita be one of our uh, guest speakers at the Amante Talks event and um, I would love for you to share a bit about what that was like Benita what you talked about and uh, yeah just a little bit of that for the audience that didn't get to be in the audience <laughs> <laughs> well thank you well first of all I want to say it was an honor and a pleasure to be invited to speak I've been doing speaking events for several decades now and that was definitely one of the most smoothly run professional events I've ever had the pleasure of participating in. Wow. So anybody out there who's a, a speaker, um, Francesca does an amazing job of really lovingly supporting her speakers, her audience, and just making it a really enjoyable and heartfelt experience for everybody. Oh, thank you, Benita. That so means that a lot super. to me. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so what I, oh, my pleasure. So what I was speaking about was, I called it tapping the void. We come into this world, I believe, this expansive loving awareness. And just by the nature of coming into physical reality, we have parents, teachers, society projecting on us ideas about who we can and can't be, have, or do. And just to belong, at first we buy into those ideas and we start to forget the parts of us that don't fit that. So, for example, if you grew up, if you were born into a very quiet family that preferred order and you were this flamboyant personality you might suppress that part of yourself but later on in life you need to rediscover the parts you suppressed and bring them back to the surface and integrate them mm -hmm. so tapping the void means going into that space where you acknowledge i don't really know myself and for a lot of people that's scary the ego hates it it doesn't want you to make that discovery it wants you to stay in the mindset that you've come to you become accustomed to. But if you're willing to go there, and during my talk, I offered exercises for people to go deeper into their shadow and discover that 
material within. Um, you'll have more energy, more awareness. You'll make better decisions because there will be more of you consciously participating in the choices you make. I love that, Benita. Thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. Um, yeah, and I mean, what uh, what made you decide that that was the... I know that you were... There was a couple topics that we were playing around with, but um, what made that be the, the, the topic that felt right to speak on that night? Well, I, I guess what you would say is that I channel. So I practiced at home. I never wrote anything down because just that's I'm not saying there's anything wrong with writing stuff down. For me, it doesn't feel organic if I do. It feels too planned out. Mm -hmm. So I rehearsed a number of times at home just to make sure I stayed within the time interval that I had available to me. And then when I got on stage, probably about 20% of that actually made it on stage because then I feel my audience and whatever needs to come out for them comes out. It's really about getting out of my own way and letting that come through. So I had a sense of the topic. Um, but the way it came out was different from what I planned. And I know originally I had talked about the importance of, uh, I talked about giving a talk about the importance of coaches having coaches. But then when I got closer to the day, tapping the void is what felt right. And I'm a big believer that there is a time and a place for everything, that there is an order to the universe. We can't always see it because we're too close to it. So... I just have learned to trust myself that what needs to come out on stage is what's going to come out. And I think for any speaker, the less you worry about a linear speech and remembering all the points you were going to make, the more organic you're going to be, the more natural. And I think the more effective a speaker, because you stop worrying about how you're coming across and you just let whatever needs to come through you flow to the audience the way they're supposed to receive it. Hmm. I think the um the one sentence you said earlier really hits home for me when you say it's less about what you say and more about how you connect with the audience and and I just love that so much because that's definitely what you do when you're on stage Benita and people are so captivated by what you're saying it's just uh yeah it's it's, it's this beautiful experience and I think what's really cool there's a there's a book um it was actually one of Oprah's book. I think it's in the one called The Path Made Clear. And she's quoting, um, she was having this conversation because on the audio book, you actually hear every voice and every single person she quotes in there of them actually speaking it. But she was having this conversation and it was with a friend or something. And, and they were saying, they're like, if you go into an interview and you are so caught up in how, what kind of impression am I making? Am I going to make the, the, get this job? I want this job. It's not going to feel right, but if you just go into that meeting saying, I just want to bless these people. I just want to make this person smile today. I want to be a light in their day. Yes, you might not get the job, but you can't control that anyways. It's just that you will, you, your light will actually be able to shine because you're less concerned about like what the outcome is, right? And I think that's one thing that I've loved that you've taught me over the years is that there's so much in our lives that we can't control, whether it's an audience's you know, opinion of what we're saying or whether they're in agreement to what we're saying or, or whatever it is or, or anything in life that we just can't control. Those things are, that's the beauty of it, right? So yeah, I, I well, really appreciate you sharing that, Benita. Thank you. I think, you know, how, here's how I look at it. The ego cares how it's seen. Oh, am I, am I making the right impression? The higher self just wants to serve. So I think Oprah in that quote encapsulates that beautifully. And here's the reality of it. You might get up on stage and you might say something 
that really triggers something for somebody. And maybe that's exactly what they needed. They needed to go and struggle with that for their next level of awakening. And I think as a coach too, as coaches, we have to be careful that we're not always trying to tie things up with a pretty bow at the end of a session. Um, that's, that's about us. That's about, oh, I want to be seen as a good coach. That's ego. If our clients are struggling with something, sometimes we have to let them struggle so they can have a realization and we could interfere with that by wanting to make that too comfortable. But going back to what you're saying about getting on stage and talking, there was a wonderful book that came out decades ago called Playing Ball on Running Water. I don't even know if it's in print anymore, Hmm. but it was about Japanese Marita psychotherapy. And it talked about things like if you had to go into a job interview simply say acknowledge you know i'm afraid and now i'm going to do this anyway Hmm. in other words it takes less energy to just acknowledge your fear than to try not to be afraid you just go okay i'm afraid that's okay i'm afraid and now i'm going to do this Hmm. i like that a lot It's a different approach, you know, and I found like I was talking to somebody yesterday about my trips to Tibet and Nepal and some of the things I've done. And they said, wow, you're fearless. I said, not at all. (laughs) I said, there's a lot of things I've gone into with a lot of trepidation. I've just tried my best not to let the fear stop me from doing things. And I'm human. I don't always succeed with that, but I really do try um, to acknowledge fear, but then keep moving forward. Cause I know on the other side of that fear, there's a worthwhile realization. Yep. How true. I and guess if fear does cause me to pull back. I will work internally on whatever that is that's hesitating so that the next time I meet that situation, I can step forward more. I never just go, Oh, well, I'm afraid of that too bad. So sad. Never doing that again. It's like, okay, so what needs to shift internally? What do I need to address so that that part of me is more willing to step into that situation again or a similar situation? It might be something a little different, but it still moves that part forward. Hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I mean, at the end of the day, fear and excitement are really the same emotion, are they not? It's like, it's just a matter of your perspective because I mean... They're both going to be a catalyst for something. It's just depending on if you want it to be a negative experience or positive experience, I guess, in some way, right? I think it can depend on the kind of fear. Sometimes fear is a signal that we are headed into something we shouldn't. I remember being in Nepal, and I'm walking along, and all of a sudden I feel this dread in my body that's making it very clear to me that the three gentlemen following me are you know, do not have my best interests at heart. Let's Mm -hmm. put it that way. Um, I happen to have an ability to pull in my energy field and I just, which is what I did. And I, I didn't change my pace. I didn't turn around. I just kept walking, but rather than let my fear cause me to focus on them, I literally focused inwardly and they went another way because the energy they were reacting with wasn't there anymore. Mm hmm. Right. And that's not everybody has that skill yet, perhaps. But the point is that sometimes fear or dread is telling you there is danger and it's important to know how to respond to that. So I would say sometimes it's instructional and it does take learning to sit with it, to understand, do I have fear right now because I'm heading in a 
direction that isn't my path or isn't good for me? Or do I have fear because it's habitual or it's I'm stepping into new territory that I do need to explore? And sometimes it means sitting with something for a while before you have that discernment. Yeah, because I guess you don't always have it right away. Not always. And I think, you know, that's why I always say if we can, and we can't always do that. Sometimes you're in a situation where you have to respond immediately. But most of the time, I'm not in a situation where there's people following me down a alley and Cashman, Katmandu is all alleys, okay? Just, it's, it's all these narrow, crazy little streets. Um, most of the time, we have time to create space between stimulus and response. Somebody says or does something that triggers us. Our pattern wants to react right away, which usually creates karma because it's usually not conscious behavior. But if we can sit with the feeling that's coming up, and our society is terribly intolerant of uncomfortable feelings, but if we can sit with it, we'll have more information to work with and more clarity about whether we need to respond externally at all, and if so, how. Mm -hmm. And that's challenging because that desire to react immediately is very strong. That's the primitive fight or flight in us. That's not our reasoning capacity. Fair enough. Interesting, Benita. What else do you want to share? I just love listening to you. It's so neat. I think that there's a lot that you say that uh, the audience definitely can benefit from and, and just like enjoy getting to hear your perspective. I'd love maybe if you want to share a couple more things about maybe, um, yeah, a little bit more about like you, Benita, or if there's anything else that you want to share um, that comes to your mind. Um for our listeners? Well, if it's okay if I do a little bit of promotion for a couple of things I've done, is that okay? That'd be fantastic. So I have an online course called Soul Decision Leadership. That's S-O-U-L. And it's based on this idea that we lose various aspects of ourselves. They get buried in our subconscious as we try to adapt to what the world we're born into expects of us. But there's ways to bring those parts to the surface, integrate them and become the person we were always meant to be with our intuition intact. So it's a 12 module program. There's five lessons in each module. There's exercises to do. And for anybody that's purchased a module, you can register for a Sunday morning Zoom where you can talk about what you're learning and get feedback. Mm -hmm. um, I've got that and I've also got um, a deck out and it's called Shadow to Light um, on the new app Deckable.com. That's D-E-C-K-I-B-L-E, -E, like Audible, only it's Deckable. And my friend Nick Callett designed this app. It's great fun. I use it every day. Amazing. <laughs> and there's literally, there's hundreds of decks on there. There's Oracle decks. There's decks from coaches. There's educational decks. And anybody that wants to make a deck can participate, and anybody that wants to buy decks can. So you go to deckable.com, you purchase your decks, you load the app onto your smartphone or tablet, and you can literally use spreads and really enjoy them. So I've had beautiful feedback about my deck. I use it myself because once I built it, I thought, okay, does this really work? I put in my own custom spreads as well as their spreads that were already with the app. And yeah, I get really accurate guidance for my own deck, which is super fun. That's amazing. And I bought other people's decks. So I think it's going to become very popular. And uh, it's kind of neat for any creators that want to sort of 
get in on the ground floor here and participate. There's a lot of really cool creative people participating in this app. That's so awesome, Benita. That's so, I mean, that's, it's such a new concept, right? I mean, I've never even, I didn't even know it was possible to have an, uh, a digital deck of cards, I guess, that works that way. But I guess, why not, right? Well, and what's beautiful about it is those of us who are the creators can create custom spreads, which I've done. You can journal about your spread and it saves your spread so you can go back and look at what you were journaling about and remember that you can meditate so my deck is designed with layered imagery to create like dreamlike experiences to evoke certain emotions so when you set it to meditate it takes up the whole screen you can set the timer and really just delve into the image and what it's bringing up for you wow. um, i'm already thinking about a deck that i want to create too and with each image there's also a written you know, section, so you can explore what that means for you. And a lot of what's in that deck is based on what's in the course. So they're complementary, but they also stand alone. That's fantastic, um, It's It's just, it's so much fun. So you can find my deck under, you'll see when you go into the marketplace, there's different sections. I'm under the Oracle decks and the spirituality decks. Fantastic. And I think also through your website, you can probably... Yes. Okay, perfect. We'll link yeah, you there's in a link the show well notes. Yeah. Um, and then, Benita, I have another question for you, which is a little bit more on the business side of things. Um, what has been your best business advice that someone has ever given you and the worst business advice that you've ever been given? Oh, gosh, that's a tough one. Um, best advice. I think for me, what's really helped, and this comes from my mentor, is to always ask you know, what do I need to do to be on my path? And the way that's come in helpful in my business is because of my unusual skill set, I get offered a lot of opportunities. And my ego will go, oh, Benita, this would be great. You make a lot of money at it. It'd be a lot of fun. You should totally do this. And I ask that one question, is it on my path? Yeah. And 99% of the time I get told no. Which bums out my ego, but saves me a lot of time and energy. I'm not that way. I'm really focused on what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm not dispersing my energy into things that aren't on my path. I think over the years, it's given me a lot more focus and effectiveness with my clients because I've been more and more focused on what I'm supposed to offer instead of let's do this. It's cool. Hmm. It's all geared toward the same path now. Um, worst business advice, and again, this can be very individual, is when I've been pushed to advertise in print media. Um, in my case, that usually hasn't brought me clients, but I won't say that's true for everybody. Hmm. I think that's where one of the worst things we can do is compare ourselves with others and go, wow, they have thousands of followers. They're doing this. I should do that. Um, somebody asked me recently, how many followers do you have? I said, no idea. I never really pay attention to that. Um, it's the quantity isn't important to me. Am I making a difference in people's lives? I would rather in a week make a real difference in the lives of five people than have thousands of people following me who are getting no real benefit. Yeah, people I'd... follow. That's nice. It's yeah. not my focus. So I would say in terms of advice, if you look at what others are doing and it inspires you, great. If it makes you feel like crap about yourself, just 
push that aside and realize nobody is going to do your business quite like you do. And a lot of my focus when I'm business coaching is to help people uniquely market themselves and do what they their soul came here to do, which is going to look different from everybody else. Absolutely. And that's the beautiful part about this life is that no journey is the same. It's not meant to be the same. And the one thing that people can't take away from a person is the fact that no one is going to do a job the way that you uniquely do it because we all have something that we're meant to share and, 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 you know, bring to the world. Right. So yeah, I really like that, Benita. I appreciate you sharing that. Well, that, and when we let go of competitiveness, we build community. I refer people to other folks all the time, um, including other psychics, because we all work a little differently. And when I first started, I would take calls at all hours of the day and night from all over the world. And, oh, you want me? I'm there. And over time, it became, hmm, I can be mediocre and do everything everybody wants, or I can really hone my skills in my area and refer people to other people for whom that is their forte. And it's quite relaxing knowing you don't have to be all things to all people. Yep. I think that's a beautiful realization. And I think the fact is, is that like the, it's like that question, like, what am I a yes for and what am I a no for? Well, you're a yes for having quality service. And that's going to mean that there's it's quality over quantity, right? I think it also shows integrity when somebody calls you up and wants something and you're able to say, you know what? I know somebody that if you really want to focus in on this, this is your person. Here's their name. Here's their number. That's who I recommend. And, you know, there have been times where I've been working with somebody myself and I'll say, I think you need a couple sessions with this person and then come back and they'll come back and go, oh, my God, I really needed that. I knew that person was a piece of their puzzle for us to continue to work effectively. Hmm, And I think that the whole idea is we all get there together. As Ram Dass said, we're all just walking each other home. So we don't see other people as other or as the enemy we're all more successful together in both our development, our helping each other, you know, and our building that community. Absolutely, Benita. Oh, I love that. Um, thank you for sharing that. Now, I mean, there's, there's, it's funny, this is the second episode we've done with Benita, but I still think that there's way more that we could get to learn about you, Benita, but um, kind you. of in, in appreciation of, of your time that you're, you've given us, um, we'll just kind of uh, share um, just now a little bit about what we're up to next and then you know in that way we'll we can always have Benita back for another episode and continue on with all the cool amazing new things that she's up to um, but one thing just we wanted to show Benita and I wanted to share with the audience is that um, we are going to be doing um, like the Amante brand is going to be doing another uh, Amante talk speaking series and uh, Benita it has very kindly and graciously accepted to be um one of our guest speakers which is so exciting so we're going to be doing that um potentially february or march we're just honing in on the dates right now and one of our other speakers that actually flew in all the way from prince rupert is going to be flying in yet again for the event uh which is so cool it's amazing we've almost bonded this little family out of this event which is so neat to see so yeah benita i guess if you want to share um maybe you don't spoil the whole thing of what you're going to talk about but if you want to give a little a couple little tidbits about some ideas of what you um might be speaking on i'd love for you to share with the audience and uh yeah 
Sure. And thank you very much for inviting me back. And I'm delighted to hear that Sherry's coming back. She's just fabulous and so funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of speaking of building community, I mean, that's what I feel you're really doing with your speaking series. Um, and to me, I'm looking at it as 2023. We're moving out of this pandemic thinking. We're really starting. Even now, you can feel it. People are starting to get out and mingle and interact. And I think we're wanting more of that and coming out into 2023 to go, okay, I want to start a new year in a new mindset. And I think you're speaking at that time, you're speaking in series at that time is really going to be an ideal time for us to bring that sort of thinking to fore. So for me, it's going to be talking about um, resolutions and why they don't work. Because we've all done it. I resolve to do this. Absolutely. And maybe we do it once or twice. And that's the end of it. Yeah. And looking at why resolutions don't work. What's the underlying mechanism? And how can we address that? So when we do place intent, we can follow through. That's what I'm going to be talking about. Oh, I love that, Benita. That's so fantastic. Um, when Benita and I were having a little chat about the upcoming event the other day and uh, kind of just uh, finessing, you know, which month to potentially do it in. And Benita had said, hey, this is something I want to talk about. I was just, and still am, so excited. I think it's going to be fantastic and just such a great topic. It's relatable. It's so easy for the audience to relate because we've all been there. And there's never been a year, at least I can speak for myself, where there hasn't been a resolution where I go, I could have done that and didn't and... Had every intention to, but just couldn't stick with it. You know, if it's, even if it's just something like, oh, I'm going to run 20 minutes a day. Well, you know, <laughs> didn't happen. <laughs> so um, I think that your talk is going to be very timely, Benita, and very much appreciated by many. Well, you know, I've really been inspired by you, Francesca, because when you did that challenge, and I know that must have been hard, just the way you piled into it, um, that was very inspiring because I think the biggest, one of the biggest challenges when we do something that takes us out of our comfort zone and any new habit does because our body wants to go, well, you know, let's just roll over and sleep for another hour. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think you have to face the emotional aspects that come up whenever you break your patterns. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you, Benita. I appreciate that, that you were inspired in some way by my 75 hard challenge. <laughs> it was definitely oh, yeah. an experience. <laughs> I was and... following your Instagram. I saw you do it. I'm like, oh my God, that girl's strong oh, uh, emotionally and physically. You know? Thank you. You know, and I, for those in the audience listening, if you haven't done the 75 hard challenge, um, fantastic program. Um, not for everybody. Totally get that. I, I personally enjoyed it, but um, essentially you do two 45 minute workouts a day. One has to be outside no matter the weather. Um, you have to stick to a diet. Um, you have to drink a gallon of water every day, read 10 pages of a self-development book, take a progress photo. I think I already said stick to a diet. And, uh, and then the other aspect of it is you can't drink any alcohol. I barely drink to begin with, so it wasn't really um, a huge shift or anything like that. But drinking a gallon of water, I eventually got used to it, but at first was a little bit of a I was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, you realize that there's not a lot of time for drama in your life when you're going to the washroom 70 million times a day. 
I'm like, I don't have time for anything but positivity when half my time is drinking and releasing water. I was like, great, this is awesome. So, um, well, that's yeah. like the program I went on. I was one of those people who go all day like a camel and drink nothing. And I'm saying to your audience now, that is stupid. Yes. Your organs need water. And when I first started drinking a lot of water, same thing, I'd be in the bathroom all the time. But after a while, your body acclimates. And so just so people know, you will go back to your normal cycle of, you know, releasing um, when your body starts to use all that water in your system. Absolutely. That's not phenomenal. So I appreciate that, Benita. That was quite... uh... The challenge was fun. <laughs> it's funny. I'm, I'm grateful to Benita's coaching through that too, because there were so many times where I think that like, it's funny, you think it's a physical challenge, but it's not, it's more of a mental toughness challenge. And, you know, even though like you might give me credit for, you know, getting through it, but there were days where I got through it. Cause Benita's like, you know, she was very supportive on other aspects or my partner, David, on days where he saw I, you know, was emotionally exhausted or physically exhausted, would come for my second walk with me and make sure that I didn't give up. And, you know, so it's definitely a team effort in those cases, but it just reminds you that this life is definitely better lived with people around you that love and support you because, you know, sometimes you can't do it all by yourself, right? So definitely great. And that's, that's the thing, watching David working in the background at your event and seeing how he supported you. That's very inspiring for anybody looking at, you know, couples goals, right? Oh, so. thanks, Benita. I was so impressed. I was like, oh my gosh. For those of you in the audience that don't know David, he's my partner. And I was just so touched how he, I don't know how he executed, like how he presented himself that evening. It takes, I think, a really like confident, strong and and supportive man that can just sit back and let me do all the crazy stuff that I aspire to do and just be so supportive about it. So I definitely feel so much gratitude and he loves all of the speakers so much and he's had the chance to, he's heard Benita's voice for so long, but it was really quite (laughs) nice for him to meet you in person and get to you know have some food after the event together it was really nice that was really lovely yeah I kind of Uh, almost feel like we've created this little like friend group now that I'm like wow I didn't think I this this would happen but this is so beautiful so um and saying all of that Benita I really appreciate you being on the podcast and the listeners and the audience I love the fact that we can be um you know just like raw and authentic and talk about you know serious business stuff but also joke and laugh and I think something for me as a host that I'm learning through my podcast journey is that like I you know you kind of start and you you want it to be professional and of course it's always going to be as my I always say this cheesy line like classy and professional I think to an extent that always has an essence of that but at the same time I I want the audience to be able to laugh I want them able to see like it's normal to mess up what you're saying it's normal to you know um you know, have those moments where things aren't perfect, right? And I think that's that's yeah. such a beautiful way of looking at it. We got we got to give ourselves and the people around us permission to be human. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I think the more human that we are, it's the the more comfortable everyone else feels to be vulnerable around us too, right? So for sure, for yeah. sure. But yeah, vulnerability is, as Brene Brown said, it's all about connection. When we're, when we're willing to be vulnerable and let our walls down and be real, again, we build community. We really connect with each other. 
and um, you just do a phenomenal job of that. You know, one of the things people don't always realize when they see an event run so smoothly is all the hard work that went into that. Um, Pam and her volunteers, um, your video and your fo- um, your photography crew, uh, you had some really phenomenal people involved and you did a lot of work to put this together. And people don't always see that, but one thing I have to say about you, Francesca, is you're incredibly dedicated to making things work and to supporting the people involved in everything you do. Oh, thank you, Benita. That means a lot to me. And I think if anything, I, you know, you, you learn quite quickly, especially in like organized sports. I remember for ice shows, it's like, you know, they would have this big production, but it only happened because we appreciated the people that were there to support, there to help. And we kept having amazing ice shows because of that. And I, I recently volunteered for a skating club and um, you know, lovely people, lovely club. And they had asked me to come and um, help the kids, you know, make sure that their hair was nice and neat for all the photos. I was there for several hours. Like, I think I was there for four or six hours. And there was like no food or water supply, which was totally fine. I just didn't realize how long the, the duration would be. And I remember leaving and I thought to myself, and they're lovely people. I think it's just kind of an oversight. But there wasn't like a thank you. It wasn't really anything that like was, you know, and I just thought to myself, I was like, oh, it's just so interesting because I grew up in a club where like in a skating club where if you had someone there for whatever period of time, even if you just had a water bottle there for them or a granola bar, or just something. So you're like, Hey, I know you're going to be here for a bit. Here's this. And I just want to take a moment to say thank you for being here. And that little thank you, even though like it might be our ego that needs it. I don't even know if it's a need. It's just, it's a, it's just a, a courtesy. Right. And I'm, I'm really glad that through those experiences, I've been able to learn what to do and not to do. And, my main goal of that event was I was like, if there's any person I, or, and people I want to thank, the people that obviously showed up to whether volunteer or be part of the media crew. And then of course, like the speakers for me, I'm like, I want to put pour so much love onto them because like mm-hmm. you guys made the event so special. And like, that's the least I can do. In my opinion, I just thought I'm like, I feel so grateful. Yeah. I get to share volunteer that support is really important. It keeps those volunteers coming back again and again. I, I do a lot of volunteer work and I'm always so appreciative when organizations like I'm not looking for it, but it's really nice when people say, thank you for being here. Thank you for your contribution. It just naturally engenders a desire to keep giving to those organizations. Anybody's volunteering isn't looking for recognition, but when they receive it, it's it's just a lovely feeling to Absolutely. know that, you know, what you've offered has been appreciated and acknowledged. It's nice. No, I agree, Benita. And uh, yeah, I can't thank you enough for being a part of that experience. And the fact that it's not over, that we get to do more. It's so exciting Woo-hoo! to me. So um, <laughs> stay tuned, everyone in the audience. We appreciate you getting to listen to our, you know, just authentic conversation here today um, and just spend a little bit of time with us sipping on your morning coffee with us wherever you are or perhaps driving um, to work so uh, thank you all and thank you Benita for your time and your energy so appreciate it and looking forward always a pleasure Francesca thank you I'm looking forward to everything that's to come so yes for sure all right well to all of you guys in the audience thank you for joining us today on the Amante podcast Thank you all for joining us yet again for another episode of the Amante Podcast. I'm your host, Francesca Amante, and you can follow us just about anywhere on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much any listening platform. We are so excited to join you here for our next episode next week and looking forward to seeing you again soon. 
make the world a better place. Cheers. Cheers.